All right, a brief word before we get started. This brief word is to ask you for your help. So in 2014, Ascension began producing digital content with which you are familiar. So YouTube videos and podcasts and articles. And since then, it's only ramped up. The purpose of this content is to help you grow in your faith and to give you resources to help others do the same. Uh, so it's like every week there are 18 videos and podcasts released, which are a kind of expose of the truth, the goodness, the beauty of God and of his church and of his sacraments and of all those things that he puts at our disposition to grow in the knowledge and love of him. So while this content is free to consume, it is not free to make. So we're asking you to consider making a financial gift to help offset some of the costs of production associated with, you know, Ascension Presents YouTube channel and Bible in a Year, this podcast, other things besides. So if you or someone you know has benefited personally from Ascension's work, please consider making a gift. Any amount is truly appreciated and will go towards production costs and all that's associated with that. So to make a gift, please visit ascensionpress.com support or click the link in the description. Again, that is ascensionpress.com support. I feel like the cantor at the beginning of mass. Welcome. Today is the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our celebrant is Father Gregory, and you can find your opening hymn at 876. Again, that's 876. No, it's ascensionpress.com slash support. So whether you're able to support uh, the work financially or not, please keep the entire Ascension team in your prayers as they continue to do the work of God. And as, yeah, things just keep going further up and further in to the glory that awaits us all. All right, prayers for you. Please pray for us. Cheers. Hi, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension, this season, we're reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text intro to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is day 28. Today, we'll be reading part three, Certain Counsels for the Practice of the Virtues, chapters 31 through 34, pages 317 through 326 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the book, let's take a quick look at what we're covering today. These handful of chapters might sound a bit strange to us in the 21st century, but the principles are no less valuable and applicable in our lives. In these chapters, St. Francis is going to discuss various kind of amusements or entertainments, games, toys, things we might use to occupy ourselves in our free time or when we ought to be doing other more productive things. As we listen to what St. Francis has to say, we shouldn't be quick to dismiss what he says because it might not seem immediately applicable, but start to listen so as to distill the principles of what he's saying so that we might be able to apply them to our own lives. Before we get into the reading, then, let's say a quick prayer. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 31 On Hobbies and Recreation, Which Kinds Are Permitted? 
Sometimes we must relax our minds as well as our bodies by means of some kind of recreation. As John Cashin relates, a hunter happened upon St. John the Evangelist petting a partridge on his wrist. He asked the saint how such a man as he could spend his time in such a lowly and useless occupation. St. John replied, why don't you carry your bow about in your hand always bent and ready? The hunter answered, for fear that if it were always bent, it would lose its spring and become useless. Be not surprised then, replied the apostle, that I should sometimes relax for a bit from my attentiveness of spirit in order to allow myself to enjoy a little recreation. I do so in order to then afterwards more fervently take up the task of divine contemplation. You might be sure that it is a vice to be so rigorous, rough, and austere that you are neither willing to take any recreation yourself nor allow others to do so. To get some fresh air, to walk, to entertain ourselves with cheerful and friendly conversation, to play on the lute or any other instrument, to sing music, or to go out hunting are all recreations that are so innocent that for the proper use of them, one merely needs the common prudence that gives to everything its due order, time, place, and measure. Games in which gain serves as a prize or recompense for the dexterity and industry of body or mind, such as tennis, football, races, chess, and backgammon, are all recreations that in themselves are innocent and permissible. The only thing needed here is to guard against excess, either in the time one spends in them or in the money put at stake in the game. For if one spends too much time in them, then they are no longer a form of amusement, but rather an occupation. Refreshment of mind and body go by the wayside, and the task becomes a kind of tiring and oppressive affair. After playing five or six hours at chess, the mind is altogether fatigued and exhausted. To play tennis for hours upon hours is not recreation, but a cause of bodily fatigue. Or if the stake played for is too great, the affections of the players become disordered. Besides, it is unjust to risk so much for skill and industry that are of as little importance as are those that are exercised at play. However, above all, Philothea, take special care not to set your affections on these amusements, for however innocent any recreation may be, it is a vice to set our heart upon it. I do not say that you must take no pleasure in your sport while at play. Were you not to do so, then it would be no recreation at all. However, I say you must not fix your affection on it, nor let it take up too much time, nor be too eager for it. Chapter 32 On Forbidden Amusements Games of dice, cards, and other such games that primarily depend upon chance are not only dangerous recreations, as dances are, but are absolutely and by their very nature evil and reprehensible. Hence, they have been forbidden by both civil and ecclesiastical laws. You will say, perhaps, what great harm is there in them? Success in these games does not depend on reason, but on chance, which often falls on him whose ability and industry deserve nothing, and reason is offended at such a result. But then you will say, the players agreed to these conditions. Well, that is a good argument to show that the winner does no wrong to the losers, but it does not prove that the argument is a rational one, nor the game either. For in such games, gain, which ought to be the recompense of industry, is made the reward of chance, which deserves no reward whatsoever, since it in no way depends on us. Even though these games are called recreations and are played under that pretext, nonetheless they are by no means recreations, but rather violent occupations. Imagine a man wholly wrapped in attention to a game, agitated by perpetual disquiet, fear, and anxiety. Is this a man at recreation? No. Amusement has become an occupation. 
Can there be any state of mind more painful, gloomy, and melancholy than that of gamesters? You must not speak while they are at play. You must not laugh. You must not cough for fear of giving offense. In the end, there is no pleasure in such play except in winning. And is not pleasure wicked when it can only be obtained at the cost of loss and vexation to one's companion? Surely such satisfaction is foul. For these three reasons, gaming is prohibited. One day, when St. Louis was sick, he heard tell that the Count of Anjou, his brother, and Monsieur Gautier de Nemois were gaming. Rising from his sickbed, he staggered into their chamber, took the tables, dice, and part of the money and cast them out of the window into the sea, expressing his great anger at them. The holy and chaste Sarah, speaking to God of her innocence, said, Never have I joined myself with them at play. Chapter 33. Balls and Other Permissible but Dangerous Amusements As regards their intrinsic moral character, balls and dances are neither evil nor good. However, given how they are normally conducted, they tend to incline very much to the side of evil, and consequently are full of danger and risk. Generally being held at night in darkness and obscurity, it is very easy for vicious circumstances to obtain admittance to the gathering, and a subject which is of itself so susceptible to evil. They occasion late hours, after which the morning of the next day is lost, and consequently the opportunity of serving God therein. In a word, it is always folly to exchange the day for the night, light for darkness, and good works for follies. At a ball, everyone strives to outdo everyone else in vanity, which itself so disposes the heart to evil affections and dangerous attachments that such things are the usual consequences of dances. Therefore, Philothea, when it comes to dances, my advice is like what physicians say about mushrooms. The best of them are good for nothing." So too, I tell you, the best balls are hardly good. If, nevertheless, you must eat mushrooms, be sure they are well prepared. If on some occasions, which you cannot avoid, you must go to a ball, see that your dancing is well prepared. However, you might ask, how must it be prepared? I answer with modesty, dignity, and a good intention. The physician says of mushrooms, eat them sparingly and seldom, for however well prepared they might be, quantity will make them poisonous. So too, dance but a little and very seldom, I say, Philothea, for otherwise you put yourself in danger of acquiring a liking for it. According to Pliny, since mushrooms are spongy and porous, they easily attract to themselves infection from whatever surrounds them, so that being near serpents and toads, they imbibe their poison. Balls, dances, and other nocturnal assemblies ordinarily attract the reigning vices and sins of the neighborhood, namely quarrels, envy, scoffing, and wanton loves. And just as these exercises open the bodily pores of those who practice them, so they also open the pores of their hearts. Thus, should some serpent come to breathe into their ears some loose word or flattery or temptation, or should some basilisk cast impure looks or wanton glances of love, the heart will readily allow itself to imbibe them and be poisoned. O Philothea, these idle recreations are ordinarily dangerous. They dissipate the spirit of devotion, enfeeble the mind, chill charity, and excite a thousand evil affections in the soul. Therefore, they are only to be used with the greatest caution. However, physicians say that, above all, we must drink good wine after eating mushrooms. In like manner, I say that after dancing, we must refresh our souls with some good and holy considerations in order to prevent the dangerous impressions that may be left in our minds following upon the vain pleasures taken in dancing. What sort of considerations? 1. Consider the fact that at the same time that you were at the ball, many souls were burning in the flames of hell for their sins they had committed at dances or that were occasioned by dances. 2. 
Also think of the many religious and devout persons who at that very time were before God, singing his praises and contemplating his beauty. Ah, how much more happily was their time employed than yours. 3. And consider too that while you were dancing, many souls departed out of this world in great anguish, thousands of men and women then suffering great pains in their beds, in hospitals, in the streets, by gout, stone, and fever. Alas, they have no rest, and will you have no compassion for them? Do you not call to mind that you will one day groan as they did while others will dance as you did? 4. That our blessed Savior, the Mother of God, the angels and saints, beheld you at the ball. Ah, how greatly did they pity you, seeing your heart pleased with such nonsense and taken up with such a toy. 5. Alas, while you were there, time was passing away and death approaching nearer. See how he mocks you and summons you to his dance, where the music will be provided by your own groaning for your sins and where you shall make but one step from this life to the next. The dance of death is the true pastime of mortals, for by it we pass in a moment from time to eternity, to everlasting happiness or never-ending woe. I have set down these brief considerations for you, but God will suggest to you many more like them to you if you fear him. Chapter 34. When to Play or Dance In order for play or dance to be permissible, we must use them as recreation, not out of any strong attachment to them. Doing so for a short time, not until we are wearied or dazed, and only seldom, for to practice them habitually is to turn a recreation into an occupation. However, on what occasions may we play or dance? Proper occasions for dancing or for innocent games are more frequent, whereas for the forbidden games are rarer because they are much more open to censure and danger. However, in a word, dance or play in accord with the conditions that I have noted when your own prudence and discretion may direct you to do so in compliance with the request of the company you are keeping, for compliance that springs from charity makes indifferent things good and dangerous ones permissible. It even takes away harm from those things that are evil to some degree. And therefore games of chance, which otherwise would be reprehensible, are not so if we use them sometimes out of this awareness and light of charity's requirements. I was pleased to read in the biography of St. Charles Borromeo that he complied with the Swiss in certain things, in which otherwise he was very strict, and that St. Ignatius of Loyola did not refuse to play along in certain amusements when he was invited to do so. St. Elizabeth of Hungary sometimes played and danced when she was present at assemblies of recreation, without any detriment to her devotion, for the latter was so deeply rooted in her soul that just as the rocks about the marsh of Reet grow larger by the beating of the waves, so too her devotion increased among the pomps and vanities to which her condition exposed her. Great fires are increased by the winds, but small ones are extinguished if we do not block its gusts. Okay, here we are. Forbidden amusements with St. Francis de Sales. Uh, I have to admit, um, as I said, just sort of introducing things that, yeah, even just looking at the chapter titles here, it's kind of like, what are we talking about? Um, I think we're talking about some good things and we're going to chat about those together and distill them. I, I will say, confession, if any of you, you know, in listening or in looking at the book thought like, you know, one of the chapters, balls and other permissible but dangerous amusements. I was thinking like basketballs, uh, not like dance balls, because I've never been to one of those. So that didn't like pop up on my radar. And then reading, I was like, ah, this is what we're talking about. So I am getting up to speed with all of you. Uh, okay, let's start with this principle. 
why are these chapters even in the book? Why are these things even being discussed in a book on living a life of devotion? Well, a few reasons. One, because we're talking, and as St. Francis has said throughout and will continue to say, is we're talking about real life here. St. Francis isn't drawing us, he isn't drawing you into some sort of like fantasy of like spiritual life, but he's trying to get us to be holy in the state of life that we're in. So for a lot of people that involves amusements, entertainment, sometimes going to balls and dancing, I guess, you know, not so much for me, but maybe for other people, who knows? But it be, he's the, the sort of foundational principle here is that we need time to relax in our lives. And that's a good thing. But like all things, we have to approach them with a sense of virtue and in a sort of moderation. We don't want to fall into the excesses of entertainment. And we also don't want to fall into the defect of entertainment where like we don't even know how to like enjoy time. So let's start by talking about that. Leisure, leisure. People say it differently. I say leisure. I don't know. What do you, are you a leisure guy? I'm a leisure man. Yep. I've heard people say leisure and leisure, but I've never heard somebody say a leisure suit. I've always heard leisure suit. So that won me to leisure. So you like that? So let's start, like, what is it? What is it not? Set us up. Yeah, I think a great book that uh, I imagine a few people have read, uh, but many more ought to read is called Leisure, the Basis of Culture by Joseph Pieper. And his basic argument is that we need to rekindle our appreciation for genuine leisure. Because, and here is just a, a nice little distinction to trot out, a lot of us have settled for mere amusement or mere entertainment. So we've got our work to do, whether that be intellectual work or more like hands-on work. And at the end of the workday, we feel tired. And then the question is, what do we do with our fatigue? Well, like most you know, husbands and fathers or wives and mothers, just keep working, right? Because you got your kids you know, you got the homework to help with and then like the meals to prepare and then the lunches to pack and then putting kids to bed takes anywhere between five minutes and 5,000 minutes as far as I can tell. And then you like collapse like a rumpled heap of just destroyed humanity on the couch somewhere around like 10, 17. And the question is, what do you do? And for most people, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to watch a quick show or two or seven and then lather, rinse, repeat. But the, the encouragement here to leisure isn't like be a snooty person from some colonial empire. The encouragement is to do something that's more genuinely recreative rather than settling for the mere amusement or entertainment, which will distract you from your fatigue just so long as you need to be distracted until you can fall off to sleep. And so the basic idea is that it should build up your human life. It should be genuinely humanizing. I'm going to use the word contemplative, even though, again, that, that sounds like a little spiritually highbrow. But basically, it should engage us with God and the things of God in a way that reveals those things to us in a more profound sense and helps us to enjoy them uh, in a way that's more holistic, which is a word that is one of your go-tos. So I think that's a, a kind of general lay of the land. Basically, entertainment and amusement is just a, a kind of escape from or often a retreat from reality. Whereas leisure is still recreative. It's something that still gives life. It's humanizing, but it represents a deeper entry into reality. And yeah, maybe on that basis, we can keep going. Yeah. And I think the the humanizing point is one that we should cling to in, in two ways. One that, you know, leisure in this sort of like re-energizing, recreative way as you've described involves the and you stole my word, the holistic kind of reality of who we are, that it ought to embody 
body and soul, body and mind, like the whole of us need to relax. We need to be re-energized. We need to be recharged. So often like sometimes we, I mean, sometimes it's good just to be able to like mentally unplug, but like sometimes maybe that's not so much what we need to do. We need to do something. We need to engage in another way. You know, like sometimes a conversation with a friend can be super life-giving, you know? And I think from our own experiences, we don't need to to sort of explain this to you endlessly, but like, you, you know, we know from our own experiences that there there's just some entertainments that are like, soul sucking you know we walk away and we're like i feel worse than i did before you know kind of thing and that's what we're trying to avoid here we're we're because they're soul sucking so they're not they're not good so one of the things that or a few a lot of the things i think that saint francis talks about in these chapters are these sort of forbidden amusements so he talks about like going to dances and balls and not that he, he doesn't really say any of them are necessarily like in themselves evil but that certain things tend towards just the loss of a sort of life focused on devotion. So it kind of issues a caution here. And, you know, to be honest in reading some of it, it's kind of like, I don't, I mean, I'm a religious, so I'm not going out to dances or like to bars or like these things with any regularity at whatsoever. So for me, in a way, I'm kind of removed from it. But I also think his examples of things, given that like, you know, he's, he's not a 21st century priest or, you know, somebody writing, you know, so it's kind of like... Uh, where do I relate? So let's, can we distill some principles here of like, what are some general social things that people are doing? Um, and what are some ways to navigate those well? So a few things, you've listed one already, and I think I've listed one you might have listed, but the sort of watching of consuming entertainment by watching, you know, whether that's YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Hulu, I'm just trying to think of as many as I can name, and Peacock, um, you know, so I think there's this sort of viewer consumption there's also the sort of like like going out you know going out having some drinks those sort of things those are two big things that come to mind but again i'm not as, but in them do you see those either of those or both of those being good things to apply this recreative principle are they some better than others what would you sort of give as some principles for forbidden like amusements or like hey caution here so I'm, I'm going to distill two principles um, as quickly as I can, which is never quickly. Uh, the first is don't go in an idle spirit. So a lot of times we go to entertainment or to amusements because we don't have a plan and we expect the entertainment or amusements to furnish us with a plan, but they rarely do. People can spend many minutes just like hovering over thumbnails on Netflix and watching, you know, 20 second snap previews and then never settled upon an actual show to watch they can spend an incredible amount of time just doing that or like people just open up a web browser and then think like what website might i potentially visit and you know it's not like it ends poorly by force but it's the type of thing that it's not going to go too terribly well unless you just like stumble across you know ascension materials by happenstance and are converted to a deeper love and knowledge of the Lord. Um, but I would say that that's less than 1% of cases. Um, and then the other thing is be conscious of cause and effect or be conscious of where certain things lead. So, you know, men will often observe that when they drink too much, they suffer more in the way of sexual temptation. You know, so it's like, okay, if you're going out to a bar, good, but like know where you stand and know where you want to be. Because when you go home, right, you're going to want to wind down some more and then you might be tempted to... Yeah, like certain sexual or, you know, like sins of impurity, immodesty or unchastity, things like that. And in a similar way, you know, like the internet can become potentially all things just by, 
you know, the typing of a few letters or by the click of a mouse. So if you aren't conscious of your patterns or the ways in which you ordinarily navigate, then you're just going to fall prey uh, to whatever neurons are firing at the present moment. So I think that when you engage, you know, in something like entertainment or amusement, this isn't to say like never watch movies or like never listen to music. Although I would kind of pull back from some of those things insofar as they can become kind of destructive and anti-contemplative. I would say simply like, so on the one hand, don't go in idleness. And then on the other hand, kind of like follow the line of cause and effect and become more cognizant of where you tend to go. Yeah, I think that that sort of um, the principle that you're saying of idleness or that sort of thing. Uh, so often I counsel people to like take stock of the type of person that they are, especially if you find yourself falling falling into the same stupid habits, you know, like if for, for entertainment or otherwise, not in a sort of pop psychology, like, no, you have to know who you are type thing, but in a, in a, in a true spiritual sense that you have to know who you are um, because you have to be sensitive to the things that might be near occasions of sin for you, or just might be like lead to idleness and things that are contrary to the life of devotion. Um, so if you have like what, if, if like staying up late, just watching TV is going to make you not get a lot of sleep and then not get up the next morning and not pray, like follow that follow. And, and if you turn on Netflix and like, you know, every time I turn it on, like I'm just here for hours. Well, like perhaps you need to like nip it in the bud and not think that like, oh, I can just watch one episode Whereas every other point of evidence leads you to, you know, to conclude that, no, I'm going to binge, um, you know, so like we can take steps to help ourselves, even in our like forms of entertainment, even in what we do in our free time. And that's not a, it's not to be scrupulous about it, but it's just to like build habits that are, that are good and, and virtuous and conducive to what St. Francis de Sales is, is leading us to consider and to think about. So yeah, even though these chapters can be kind of like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought you were talking about like baseballs, but you're talking about like dances. So let me get up to speed. I think the principles of what St. Francis is um, giving us are are not, no less applicable then as they are now. So, you know, it might take a little more reflection on our part, but, you know, kudos for that. So, Father Gregory, any last minute thoughts on on these chapters today? Yeah, I would say it's, it's going to depend on your temperament, um, what your typical tendency is. Uh, but I think that sometimes it's good just to like schedule leisure. So at the time of recording, I'm a graduate student and I have a kind of optimize, maximize bent. So when I see time, I'm like, let me fill it with trying to finish the one job that I have had for the past X number of years and will continue to have for the next Y number of years. Uh, but if you do that, then at the end of the day, you're just like the desiccated husk of what was formerly a human being. Um, whereas when you build some leisure into your life, yeah, it's recreative, it's humanizing, as we have said. So, you know, like every once in a while, I'll, I'll put in like a little hour there where I read literature, even during a time when I might ordinarily work or I'll go for a hike. I don't have many hobbies, nor do I have the capacity to undertake many hobbies well, but there are a couple, right? So I try to invest in those in small, modest ways. Uh, and I think it's worth it, right? Even if it means, you know, taking away from something else, which might seem more efficient or might seem like more util. Ultimately, we're not made for efficiency or utility. We're made for God and God is ultimately to be enjoyed. And leisure sets us up uh, to, you know, to kind of engage in that. All right, y'all. 
That's what we have for you today. We're going to leave you with that. So be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Gregory and I are always interested in getting to know the digital community. So please join us at our next Godsplaining event, whether it be a pilgrimage, a retreat, or something else. Details and applications for those can be found at godsplaining.org. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And we'll catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Mm-hmm.